It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented today by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app and the number one DFS app, which is absolutely perfect for a divisional round of the NFL playoffs. In fact, to celebrate this year's playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. Think about that. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash $100. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code ROSS for new players. To get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey pay only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call one 800 Gambler. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years at Ross Tucker NFL on the social media platforms. We are at Ross Tucker Pod on the various social media platforms. You can always access this show via audio and your app. You can also check it out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. If you want to see what Joe looks like, or if you just want to see the highlight clips of all of our great shows, Speaking of Joe, that is Joe Dolan. He is the rock star from FantasyPoints.com, where you should still go and get even more insight than Joe provides on this show because they've got a cast of thousands. FantasyPoints.com, use the code FEAST so they know we sent you. Check him out on social as well, at FG underscore Dolan. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? I'm well, Ross. Good to uh, good to hear from you. By the way, I just realized we've been doing this podcast all year, and on this video feed, you have your Twitter handle on your name. I should probably do that. Uh, I, I have the option to type my name in there, and I've always just gone with my name, but I should probably type my Twitter handle in there. But uh, yeah, I'm who, at- who cares about your name? Everybody already knows your name. Yeah, who cares yeah. About that? Uh, um, I'm looking to change that when Twitter Twitter's going through a lot of turmoil right now. That's a, that's another podcast, Ross. I'm sure you have a podcast that covers that, but not this one. <laughs> but but uh, not this one right now. So uh, we're uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hey look look, Brian put it up there. Uh, thanks, Brian. That is unbelievable, Brian. Yeah. You know, it's like I think this is our 464th Fantasy Feast podcast, and I think that's the first time Brian has contributed value to it, Joe, that I can remember. <laughs> that is amazing. Well done, Brian. Uh, Brian and I were talking about our dogs tracking dirt and other substances through our houses uh, before you came on, Ross. And uh, so Brian and I have, have a little bit of a uh, of a bond over that right now. Are you, um, are you wearing that Flyers hat because it's opening night? Absolutely. Dude. Uh, you are sharp, Ross. You are sharp. Yeah, right, rank, your, rank your Philly sports teams in terms of importance to you in order. Oh God! Uh, well, it, first and foremost, it fluctuates uh, by uh, by the the by whatever team is doing well or poorly. Right now, I mean, I think just because I'm in professional football, the Eagles would be number one, and and because I love to talk and I love to speculate, the Eagles are a riot right now. 
Um, because I mean, who knows what's going on there? They never, the Eagles are never boring that, that I'll give them it, it, in, in a perfect world. It would be Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers right now, the Phillies, if they don't re-sign JT Real Muto, they are dead to me. Um, I don't give a crap how much money John Middleton lost during the pandemic. You're a billionaire. Sign good players. Um, uh, so if they don't sign JT Real Muto, I'm, they're dead to me right now, especially since the Mets are actually out there doing things. Um, uh, there's something special about a baseball team when you follow baseball um, and getting to watch them every single night. There's a relationship there that other sports don't don't give you. Um, but So that's special to me. But right now the Phillies are on the bottom. Right now it would be – um, Eagles just because, you know, it's my job, but also then now it's the Sixers, the Flyers and the Phillies and the Sixers before they fired, uh, before they fired Brett Brown and it didn't look like they were going to bring in somebody to replace or go over Elton Brand. They would have been at the bottom because I was totally out on them. And then they hired Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm all the way in. So now I'm just waiting for them to trade for James Harden. But- all right. Cure- my question is knowing it's your alma mater. Where does Penn State fit in that hierarchy? Penn State football, way down at the bottom. Really? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more of a. I mean, I, I, I root for them, but like, um, uh, I since certain things happened, um, I, 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 I took that opportunity to distance myself, like not distance, like oh, I want nothing to do with Penn State, but like, um, to separate the emotional investment a little bit, um, and. I will say this, though. It felt good two years ago against Ohio State when they had the fourth and five and they called the running play to Miles Sanders. I was viscerally angry at a Penn State football game for the first time in like a decade. It was I was so mad about that play call. I was like, oh, it actually kind of feels nice to get this worked up about a Penn State game again. Uh uh, it it's it, it. I don't get as emotionally invested in it as I as I did when, I, when in college. You have that. These are your peers. You know, you're going and you're tailgating and all that. Um, I don't I don't have that relationship anymore. And I wonder how much of that is because I'm I'm out of college. Um, but um, just just certain things. Uh, you know, contributed to all of that to take to take a step back and not be as emotionally invested in college football. I but I love college football. Uh, this year, I watched way less of it than I ever have before for obvious reasons. Um, but I, college football is my hobby. I love betting on college football. I love watching college football. Um, but I'm not as emotionally invested in it as I used to be. Got it. Love that. You know, I think obviously all the listeners and viewers on YouTube know you as our fantasy expert and they love you. I think sometimes it's just interesting to know, like, like all of us, we all started as fans. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, of course. We all started as fans before we got into this one way or the other. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway? I don't mean football-wise, Joe. I just mean DFS-wise or just format-wise of last weekend's wild card uh, triple headers. Well, I want to thank uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers first and foremost because on my Sunday-only DFS slate, I just loaded up on Steelers. And I was like, you know, the Browns have these injuries and Denzel Ward's on the COVID list. And – um the Steelers got crapped on, and I'm like, oh, boy, this isn't going to go well. And then Ben Roethlisberger throws for over 500 yards because they're playing from behind, and that really helped out. That helped me cash back last week because I was crushed. In, I played two slates. I played Saturday-Sunday combined, 
And then I played the Sunday only. This is really bad advice. I, I chased on Sunday because I got creamed on Saturday. And I got creamed on Saturday because I had Ronald Jones in every single lineup. I paired Ronald Jones um, with, uh, with high-priced Alvin Kamara in my Saturday-Sunday lineups. So I put Ronald Jones in all those lineups and then uh, he obviously got hurt in warm-ups. He wasn't inactive, so there was no opportunity to swap out. So uh, I went out and I got um, – so I went out on Sunday, and I'm like, I'm going to chase this. I'm going to try to create some diversity. I, I played Ben Roethlisberger. I played Juju. I played Chase Claypool, and I played Eric Ebron in every lineup. And fortunately, because of what happened – that cashed. I had Kareem Hunt. So I had a really big Sunday. Um, but I, I got to tell you, next year, I am looking forward to that combined Saturday-Sunday slate. Six games in one weekend is just a perfect DFS NFL slate. They weren't the main slates. The main slates on DraftKings were the Saturday slate and the Sunday slate. But the, that combined slate was a lot of fun to play. And there was a lot more diversity in your lineups based on the fact that there were six games. Unfortunately, I picked the wrong guys. Um, I also had Anthony Miller in the Chicago game and he got ejected, which wasn't very good. Uh, but I ended up having, um, I ended up having a, a pretty profitable Sunday, but I really like this super wildcard weekend for DFS because it gives you two, three game slates, uh, or a six game slate. And that was a lot of fun to play. Are there, I haven't looked at it yet, Joe. Are there Saturday, Sunday slates at DraftKings this weekend? Or is Absolutely. It the four-game divisional Absolutely. round. Absolutely, there are there are there are, there are uh, Saturday Sunday slates. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it, it. I I prefer. Um, I'm not really much of a showdown player. Um, that being like a, a a one game slate. I'm not much of a one game slate player. So I'm going to gravitate towards the full weekend slates. But if you want to play the Saturday Sunday games, you can do that as well. So we are going to dive into these games. Uh, every line I give is from DraftKings, and it's informative because it helps you know what they think the score will be, uh, team totals, stuff like that. So we'll start with the Packers and the Rams. And, you know, I think it was the Fantasy Feast Redraft League, Joe. Cam Akers was my guy. Yep. Unfortunately, he had like that trough during the season – where he did nothing and was injured for a good chunk of the year. But now he's looking pretty sweet. And I think McVay is going to try to run the ball down the Packers' throats like the Niners did in the NFC Championship game last year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, it, the, and and just look at this logically. Look at how Cam Akers looked. Um, by the way, um, uh, uh, Greg Cosell sent me a text unprompted, and he was like, talking about how good Cam Akers looked and he started to see the guy that he that came out of Florida State and it's hard not to see the parallels uh between Cam Akers and somebody like Jonathan Taylor now Akers had obviously injury problems uh that contributed to that but both guys got off to a slow start and then all of a sudden, just the light bulb came on. And you wonder if those light bulbs would have come on a little bit quicker if there was a preseason and a full uh, offseason. And you have to imagine it would. I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw guys like Akers and you saw guys like Jonathan Taylor and, and, and maybe to a lesser extent J.K. Dobbins adjusting to the speed of the NFL kind of in real time. You saw it happen. You know, 
early in the year, Jonathan Taylor was missing holes, and by the end of the year, he was exploding through them. Cam Akers is kind of the same way. Of course, he had the um, the the, uh, the extenuating circumstance, of course, of dealing with uh, the injuries. So. Cam Akers is most certainly going to be the most popular L.A. Ram on this DFS slate. It's not even going to be close. Cooper Cup is dinged up. Um, uh, It looks like Cooper Cup avoided a serious injury. Um, When I saw him go down, I saw them doing the Lockman test on the sideline, which is like a knee stability test to test for ACL. That's never good to see, but it looks like that test came back negative, meaning there was no ACL damage. It looks like he's going to be able to go. But when you combine Cooper Cup's injury with the fact that Jared Goff is obviously playing hurt, I mean, you, you got to give Jared Goff credit for going out there and gutting it out. Um, but the fact that they started John Wolford in that game against Seattle last week shows that Sean McVay was not 100% comfortable with throwing Jared Goff out there. And ultimately, Jared Goff completed nine passes in that game. So you're look, he started to get better at the end of the game. So I think Robert Woods is going to be targeted pretty heavily in this game. If Cooper Cup can't go, look to look to see about Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds. Those guys are going to be popular on a four-game or a two-game DFS slate. Maybe Gerald Everett or Tyler Higby, but Jared Goff is not 100% right now. This is a Ram offense that is built through the run game. It is a seven-point line. It's a touchdown line. Um, so the expectation is – the Rams are going to be playing from behind. I just feel with the way Sean McVay's been coaching now, the way he coached last week against Seattle, he's going to do everything in his power to try to avoid playing from way behind. So they don't have to put Jared Goff out there. Um, good good that Andrew Whitworth's back, by the way. But they don't have to put Jared Goff back there, dropping back 40 times. That is not a recipe for success, the way Goff has played at the end of the season and the fact that he's not 100% healthy. The total for this game is 45 and a half. It's by far the lowest total of the weekend, Joe. The other three are all over 50 points, 50 Mm -hmm. or higher at DraftKings, 45 and a half. Let's talk Packers going against that Rams defense. I think Aaron Donald's going to be limited. I know what McVay's saying. Yeah. Torn rib cartilage is a B-I-T-C-H from what I've heard. And he's so twitchy, he's so explosive that I, I just wonder how much that's going to affect him. Yeah, and obviously that's going to open things up for the run game uh, for, for the Packers. And we know they, they want to run the football. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the NFL MVP, but they're but Matt LaFleur is going to do what Matt LaFleur does. And, you know, Aaron Jones getting a week off. He had been dinged up at the end of the year. He's getting healthier. Jamal Williams was dinged up at the end of the year. He's getting healthier. You have to think that they're going to come out. And if Aaron Donald can't play, they're going to try to run it up the middle. Elgin D- Jenkins, uh, the, the guard, the, see if he's going to pave the way there. If Aaron Donald is out or limited, uh, as you expect him to be. So I think they're going to run the football. Now, when I'm looking at DFS lineups on a four-game slate or a two-game slate especially, you have to anticipate Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, well, on a short slate, of course they're going to be popular. I wonder if Devontae Adams is going to be a little bit less popular this week simply because of the Jalen Ramsey factor. And the Packers will move Adams around, but this is the matchup everybody's going to be looking at. I wonder if you're going to be able to get Devontae Adams just a little bit under-rostered based on the matchup given the fact that it's only a two- or a four-game slate, and maybe you, maybe you create a little bit of diversity by going with one of the best players in all of fantasy football. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, 
obviously you look at uh, Green Bay and you say, mm, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, who is the number two receiver here? Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's been dropping passes. But Aaron Rodgers seems to have like, Normally, when Aaron Rodgers gets a receiver who drops perfect passes as often as Marcus Valdez-Scantling does, that guy disappears. But that hasn't been the case with MVS. He's had those the fumble issues. He's had the drops all year. But Aaron Rodgers is out there. He's throwing his support out there. He's saying, this guy does the dirty work. He blocks. He, you know, his effort is high. Nobody trusts MVS. But on a four-game DFS slate, you've got to take some risks. And I wonder if he provides... A little bit of that. Um, creating some diversity. Obviously, Robert Tunyon's going to be very popular uh, on this slate because he's not going to be as expensive as Kelsey. Um, so he's going to he's going to be popular the way he has been playing. But as you said, Ross, this is the lowest total uh, game of the week. And I wonder if the cash game strategy here is simply going to be to avoid this game because as you, I think you nailed it. The Rams are going to try to ugly this thing up. I would agree. Let's get to Saturday night, and I will be there, Joe, and I'm looking forward to it. It is the Bills. It is the Ravens. Right now on DraftKings, the Bills are favored by two and a half points, and the total is 50. Um, I have to imagine there are several Ravens players that will be very popular in DFS lineups. Yeah, and, and that starts with Lamar Jackson, who, I mean, aside from the terrible interception he threw, and that was one of the worst I've seen all year, um, he's starting to really play the way Lamar Jackson needs to play, and it's and it's with his legs and creating off of that. He's running the ball exceptionally well. And frankly, Ross, that Bill defense, it gave up a lot of production to the Indianapolis Colts last week, and and, and Phillip Rivers went out there and put up some, some numbers and – I think Baltimore is going to be pretty popular. Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown have figured this this out over the the last five or so weeks. Marquise Brown is producing the way I hoped he would produce when I made him my most drafted best ball wide receiver. There is that that connection is clicking right now. And the thing that's great about the Ravens is they've kind of evolved or or I guess devolved back into the team they were last year. In terms of it being a narrow fantasy team, we we talk about those teams all the time. I loved talking about the Ravens on last year's podcast because I didn't have to say anything. All I had to say was, it's the same stuff every week. You play Lamar Jackson, you play Mark Ingram, maybe you dabble in J.K. Do- uh, or um, Gus Edwards last year. Maybe you do that. You play Mark Andrews, and you play Hollywood Brown, and that's it. They have kind of become that team again. Once they deactivated Mark Ingram, everything seemed to come into focus for them. They have they have uh, executed a plan better. They focused on Lamar's legs a little bit more. You know, I read an article. Uh, Jeff, uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name, Zrebiak, who uh, who covers the Ravens for the Athletic, and he wrote a big article heading into last week's game about what has happened with this uh, with this offense. And what that article said was the Ravens went into 2020 with the express focus of opening up the passing game with Lamar Jackson. Whether that was a mistake at all, whether it was the pandemic shortened off season, those concepts they kind of stubbornly stuck to for basically the first two or three months of the season. And when it was looking like Lamar wasn't playing well, and he wasn't, he was not playing well, and the Ravens were looking like a team that was 
either not going to make the playoffs or was going to be a very easy out in the playoffs. You looked at all that and you're like, they decided, let's just go back to what worked. They benched Mark Ingram. They put the focus back on Lamar Jackson's legs and everything has fallen into place. This is how the Baltimore Ravens need to play. Lamar Jackson is going to be popular for DFS. J.K. Dobbins is going to be popular for DFS. Gus Edwards is somebody I think you can you can pop in there understanding he's going to need a touchdown for you. Hollywood Brown is going to be popular for DFS. Mark Andrews is going to be popular. The other problem, though, with them is creating some diversity with their lineup is very difficult because if you look at the stats, from last week, the uh, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews had 15 targets of Lamar Jackson's 24 pass attempts. The next highest player on the team in targets was Patrick Ricard, the fullback. So there is no like secondary receiver here where you could be like, well, you know, I'm going to take a shot. If there was one, it would probably be Miles Boykin for me. He was the um, intended receiver on that deep ball that Lamar Jackson threw the interception on. But this is somebody who is a wing and a prayer. The Baltimore Ravens are going to be popular, but they're also going to be, ch- well, they're, they're going to be chalky, but um, it's hard to create some diversity if you like the Ravens in this game. What about for the Bills? They like to chuck it. Uh, Zach Moss is out, Joe. Mm-hmm. So that'll make Devin Singletary pretty popular, um, even though they don't really run the football. Um, uh, I would anticipate if Zach Moss is out um, that Devin Singletary is going to at least get 10 carries. But this is Josh Allen. It's Stefan Diggs. Gabriel Davis is somebody who was making some plays. It was good to see Cole Beasley out there. So this is going to be obviously the matchup of the weekend. This Raven defense, which was so good last week, just played an unbelievable bull game against Tennessee. It's going to be that Raven defense, that Raven secondary, that deep secondary against this Buffalo Bills receiving core. And I wonder if Josh Allen's legs are going to be a huge factor in this game. He took off running 11 times against Indianapolis last week. He had 11 of Buffalo's 21 carries in that game. I think Josh Allen's legs are going to be a huge part of this game. Stefan Diggs obviously is going, he gets open against anybody. I'm not worried about the matchup. Uh, Beasley's got a tough matchup. Humphrey moves inside. Uh, so that's a tough matchup. Maybe I'm looking a little bit here at Gabriel Davis or John Brown. John Brown, I think, is going to go way, way under rostered. He had no catches on four targets, clearly wasn't 100%. So Gabriel Davis and John Brown are two options to create some diversity in your Buffalo Bills lineup this week. Sunday, Browns, Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites. That surprises me. That's a lot of points. The total, 56.5 on DraftKings, Joe. The highest total of the weekend by far. Uh, um, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I actually think this number's come down a little bit. Um, I, th- I thought I saw an 11 out there earlier, maybe even an 11 and a half. So people, they, they're agreeing with you, Ross, that they think this number was a little high. Uh how about those Cleveland Browns? I mean, uh, I, I I know it was torture to watch for Steeler fans, and it was torture to watch for me because I had a lot of Steelers in my lineups for DFS. But, man, they came out with no coaching staff, and they punched the, the Steelers in the mouth. I think Browns fans would say this is a successful season. But So what do you get? You get a loose Cleveland Browns team coming into Arrowhead. It wouldn't surprise me if they got off to a fast start here. Now, as we saw in last year's postseason, that doesn't preclude the Kansas City Chiefs from coming back and punching them right back in the mouth because Kansas City went down against both Houston and Tennessee in last year's playoffs and then had to come back in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. So that that's good for fantasy. That's good for fantasy if Cleveland comes out fast here. Um, 
I wonder if they're going to come out and Kevin Stefanski might come out throwing the ball a little bit in this game. Um, Jarvis Landry had a massive game. Yeah, when he when he went on that long catch and run for the touchdown, um, you knew you knew something different was happening. Like you you just knew that that guy wasn't wasn't going to be slowed down. Jarvis Landry is going to be massively popular in this game. If you want, if you think this is going to be a high scoring game and Cleveland's going to have to throw it, look at Cleveland's target share from last week's game against Pittsburgh. Rashard Higgins only caught two passes, but he had seven targets. Austin Hooper had 11 targets. You know, Travis Kelsey and Tunyon are going to be popular on this DFS slate. So maybe you can go to somebody like Austin Hooper who had a quiet year, but led the Browns in targets with 11 last week. So he might be somebody you take a look at. Kareem Hunt scored two touchdowns. Thank you, Kareem. But I was a little surprised he wasn't involved in the passing game. This is a Kareem Hunt revenge game. So are they going to come out opening it up and throwing the ball to Kareem Hunt? I think he's somebody who's in play. And Nick Chubb is always in play uh, on this slate. So look at this slate, though. You have Aaron Rodgers. You have Drew Brees. You have Tom Brady. You have Josh Allen on this slate. You have Patrick Mahomes on this slate. I think if you want to pivot away from that and go with Baker Mayfield, if I'm playing a large field tournament, I think that's a pretty savvy play because this game is a high total. Obviously, they're 10-point underdogs. They're projected to be playing from behind. I think you're going to see a lot of sharp tournament players going to Baker Mayfield here simply because they want to create that low low ownership in their in their lineup, and there are so many Big-time quarterbacks on this slate, high-priced quarterbacks. It's going to allow you to create a little bit more of a creative kind of build for your roster with Baker Mayfield. Very interesting, Joe. Uh, What about the Chiefs? And when we talk about them being a narrow fantasy team during the season all the time, what does that mean for DFS? Yeah, um, I want to get some updates here on what the status of the backfield is going to be. Uh, Is is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going to play? Is... Well, what's the deal with Le'Veon Bell, who was dinged up? Are, that's an interesting question because that's the one spot where there's a little bit of uncertainty with the Chiefs. Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill are going to be popular. You know, uh, by the way, Denzel Ward is is activated off the COVID list. That is huge news for the Cleveland Browns um, because you anticipate he'll be facing off a of Tyreek Hill quite a bit in this game. Uh, what's the status of Sammy Watkins? You know, when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs on a short slate, you can always put somebody like Watkins – uh, or Miko Hardman or or Demarcus Robinson in your lineup and say, hey, maybe they they maybe they're on the receiving end of one of Mahomes' 60-yard dimes. That's always in play here. Uh and it's all it's certainly going to be in play with these to- this total being so high in this week's game. So um the Kansas City Chiefs are, are I'm treating them the same way. We're sitting here on Wednesday at 1 p.m. We don't have a lot of news right now about the backfield. That's my focus here as the week goes forward. But the Kansas City Chiefs are a team I'm still going to treat pretty much the same as I always do. Lastly, Joe, it's the Bucks and the Saints round three. The Saints are three-point favorites at DraftKings. The total over at DraftKings is 51.5, the second highest total of the weekend. Dominant performance by the Saints defense in that absolute snoozer uh, against Chicago last week. Really, the only boring game of the entire weekend was Chicago New Orleans. And you know, I, I, I don't know. Did you watch the Nickelodeon broadcast, Ross? 
I watched most of it in the second. I watched it for most of the second half with my daughters because the game was so boring, and that gave yeah. me something else to do. Yeah, and I thought they did a great job. Um, uh, that's I, frankly, I would have been extra bored if I didn't watch the Nickelodeon broadcast. So, um, thank you to Nickelodeon for picking that game to play. Hopefully, they get a better game in the future for the kids. But uh, yeah, uh, that was entertaining enough for me to watch that game. It was a dominant performance by the Saints defense. The question now becomes. Was it dominant because they were going up against Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears? Because Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are absolutely humming right now. Uh, like I don't even think they like they they got off to kind of a slow start ish against the team, and then they get the, the, the you got An- Antonio Brown on the long touchdown, and then things kind of opened. And once they were up two scores, as as well as Heineke played, you knew that they were, that that the game was probably over, and. When it comes to Tampa Bay, I'm just fascinated by the Tom Brady-New Orleans matchup because I I went back and looked. And if somebody can find an instance, forgive me for what I'm about to say. Call me an idiot on Twitter, at FG underscore Dolan. I cannot find a single instance in his illustrious career where Tom Brady lost to the same team three times in one season. It's hard to do. Uh, It's hard to beat Tom Brady three times in one season. And the way Tampa Bay is playing right now, I do not want to be catching Tampa in this game with New Orleans. So um, I'm actually picking the Buccaneers in this game, but I thought it was great news that Mike, not only Mike Evans is coming down, he's a game time decision boss. But Bruce Arian said all week, he said, if he's playing, he's healthy. So he was like, he's not going to be a decoy. 10 targets, six catches, 119 yards. Mike Evans is healthy. He and Lattimore have had some battles in the past. So I think Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown are going to be popular on DFS slates. I was stunned Rob Gronkowski did not catch a pass. Maybe he's a little, maybe he creates a little bit of diversity here. I've been talking about some of the uh, Austin Hooper. Maybe Rob Gronkowski is somebody that you're going to want to be uh, be able to create a little bit of diversity here. Cameron Brate had six targets in that game. Um, maybe Gronkowski goes under rostered a little bit. And in the backfield, as we're as we're uh, talking today, no practice for Ronald Jones, who hurt his quad in in pregame last week. Leonard Fournette's going to be the guy. Leonard Fournette had a great game last week, bouncing off of tackles. Um, and, and you know what's funny is I had Ronald Jones in my DFS lineups, and you didn't see him out there. And Leonard Fournette gets the start, which I was surprised by. Um, obviously we found out why. And then I saw him bouncing off of tackles and making spin moves. And I'm like, uh Oh, Ronald Jones isn't going to get into this game. Obviously he was a lot more hurt than anybody anticipated, but Leonard Fournette is going to get carries in this game. We know he can catch the ball. He had 23 touches last week against the football team. I think Leonard Fournette is going to be somebody on after a lot of the big time running backs got eliminated last week, by the way, you know, Derrick Henry was eliminated. David Montgomery was eliminated. Um, so you get those guys, though, uh, Jonathan Taylor was eliminated. You're going to have to go with less appealing options in the backfield. Leonard Fournette is that, but he also played arguably his best game of the entire season in, uh, in the wild card round on the saints on the other side, Joe. Yeah, so the Saints are narrow favorites in this game. Basically, they're, they're getting the Superdome favorite at, at three points. Um, I've already said I'm taking the Bucks. I like the Bucks plus the points here. Um, 
when, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, uh, how about Deontay Harris? Uh, Nate Burleson was talking about him, how explosive he was. He was kind of an X factor. He was creating on third downs against Chicago. So he's going to be somebody on the lower end of pricing you can use to fill out your lineups. Breeze played well in that game, 265 and two touchdowns. Uh, Alvin Kamara, though, I mean, look. 25 touches. He had 116 yards from scrimmage. He scored a touchdown, got the slime cannons going. He's going to be the most popular running back of the week for good reason. Um, I was a little surprised Latavius Murray didn't get more action in that game, but I don't think it was uh, as big a runaway as I thought it could be, in which case Latavius Murray would have gotten more action. But he had he did score, but he had only six touches in that game. It was good to see Michael Thomas get back and get into the end zone. So he's going to be popular here, especially – uh, if uh, Tampa Bay continues to have injury issues in the secondary. So keep an eye on that. Jared Cook should have had a touchdown in that game. They narrowly missed a connection with Drew Brees. Um, ultimately, the Saints have given us a little bit more to get excited about with Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas coming back and becoming a heavy part of that passing game. He, Jared Cook, uh, Deontay T- Harris, Jared Cook, and Michael Thomas all had seven targets in that game last week against Chicago. Those are the three guys I would expect them to focus their passing game around. Though, if you want to create a little bit of diversity, the forgotten man here is Emmanuel Sanders, who had just two catches for three yards last week. Maybe he goes out and makes a play. I'm looking very forward to this game. They picked the right two games to put in prime time. Follow that man on social media at FG underscore Dolan and check out fantasypoints.com. Make sure you throw the code FEAST in. When you do, it is outstanding content. We'll be back next week. Terrific stuff, Joe. I took a bunch of notes. I'm ready to set my DFS lineup at DraftKings. That was awesome. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.